Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Eyes of the Mize. My name is John. That's Ian. What's up? This is episode number 78 of GPs 78. and Previews. 79, excuse me. We don't do 78s twice. <laughs> Double numbering episodes is what fools do. Want to start um, over? No, we're good. It's right. fine. We'll it's do good. it live. Ah, we got there. All right. <laughs> uh, so last weekend was GP Seattle, so Ian's going to spend a little bit of time talking about that. Heck uh, yeah. We've also got a few Dominaria previews that uh, came out since we last spoke, and I don't know if anyone would have noticed that we had an audio issue unless Ian told you in the tweet. I mean, I would hope they listened all the way through the episode and noticed the audio issue. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I thought I did a really good job of making sure that it wasn't obvious that there was that we had an issue. Yeah. Uh, the TLDR is that my computer like froze and didn't record a little bit of audio. So we're going to talk about a few cards that we talked about last week that no one but Ian and I know we talked about. Yeah, it's like it was kind of funny. Just give you a little bit of the uh, how the sausage is made. <laughs> so we re- we finished the recording and like right after we go to hit stop on our like we each record individually when john went to go hit stop he's like uh my computer's not responding and my computer clock is stopped as of like six minutes ago (laughs) so we're like uh yeah yeah so So if it sounded seamless if it sounded seamless go work john job right hey anyway um first yeah we're gonna turn our eyes to the community real quick because as we've been talking about dominar previews dominari comes out on the 27th two weeks with the pre-release next weekend, but this weekend, on Friday, we've got the pre-pre-release, hosted by Loading Ready Run, with Graham, Kathleen, Cam, and Adam, as usual, playing with special guests, Kelly Diggs from R&D, April King, a.k.a. Cube April, Nathan Holt, a.k.a. The Wizard, and the man behind Walking the Plains, and uh, Enter the Enter the Battlefield, uh, various documentaries, and uh, Jared uh, Nabenbauer, I believe is how you say his name, a.k.a. Pro Jared who's a Let's Player, YouTuber. d He's a big D&D guy, yeah. So, and also, I remember, I think I saw him at a GP once. I don't he remember. He does, he does, I, I have heard of him playing. Um, I just don't think he really played a whole lot. I'm sure if you tune in on Friday, 11 a.m. Pacific, I'm sure you'll get to hear, like, his, uh, his chops, his MTG chops. Oh, yeah. They don't bring people on here who don't have at least a familiarity with the game. Of course. But first, or, well, that's it for that. And now, <laughs> Got we're going to talk about Ian's time at GP Seattle. So this is kind of, like, weird, because it also is, like, community extended a little bit, basically, when you're chatting about Seattle. So, as you guys might have seen on Twitter and or listened to on the podcast last couple weeks, I'm like, oh, I'm tra- practicing enough for GP Seattle. Well, there's this thing called the Army. <laughs> and uh, so I had, I had uh, re-enlisted last little bit of backstory recent last reenlisted last august and with that there's some perks that my unit gives uh you get a three-day pass and two four-day passes already used one three-day pass and one of the four-day passes had one left over i'm like hey cool look at my schedule i'm moving soon i don't have a whole lot of weeks left this is the perfect week to use my last pass so i put in for thursday through sunday and it's during a little uh event that my unit's doing in terms of mission like kind of a training mission and i thought i'd have some people available to be able to backfill some stuff happened can't really get into it too much beyond that but they were like well you're the only person who's left to provide support sorry sergeant dixon you gotta stay and i'm just gonna bump your pass back to saturday to tuesday so i was like that's not how this works with gps but i'll take it if i'm still getting the four-day weekend (laughs) 
So unfortunately, I was unable to play in the Legacy main event because I was working when it started on Friday afternoon, and I don't have a standard deck right now, so there's no way in heck I was even going to try and play standard or attempt the main event for that one. So that meant hanging out with friends and doing all sorts of side events, which is what I did. Now, John and I have both been to GP Vegas 2015 for Modern Masters 2015, and that's actually kind of like where the origin of all of this podcast stuff started, because like seven months later we started the podcast, or eight months later I think we started the podcast. Um, but John can attest to this, like that was a heck of a community event. Like, oh yeah, everyone and their mother was there. And I don't even think that Ian or I really kind of tapped into that to its full potential like many other people have done uh, during the most recent GP Vegas and what it sounds like this GP Seattle was like. Yeah, so that one was kind of big anyway for me, like in terms of formative, like solidifying myself as, okay, cool. I actually got to meet a lot of people at that GP Vegas 2015. Awesome. Like that actually kind of like spurred my modding on a little bit more than it already was in terms of the magic sphere. But this one was incredible uh it wasn't as gigantic in terms of sheer numbers of people or even floor space though the hall space was pretty big but as far as the community aspect goes it was right on par i feel with vegas they didn't have any of the uh panels and stuff that last year's gp vegas had that john i didn't go to but it was damn near close to that kind of thing um it was an excellent event as far as it was from my side of things that i saw there were some little niggles from what i heard with people having issues with some things but overall like i never saw any of that so it's one of those i'll take the word for it you know that's what you do right Mm -hmm. so i got there friday afternoon with lynn uh got off work friday afternoon early went up to pick up Lindsay. we went into town uh in the afternoon we unfortunately just missed being able to sign up for the uh the bounty sealed event by like five ten minutes which was the difference of parking at a different parking garage than the one actually at the convention center it's whatever but because of that we still got to see everybody who was there in the central location so let's see professor james cameron (laughs) the way i say that sounds like professor james cameron that is yeah that's actually good Nice. Anyway, the Cameron, professor, Cameron, James, James Turner, and Pro- Cameron Louder. Yeah, and a bunch of other people. Um, Kenji and stuff was there. Like, So there's also a side point I want to talk about a little bit. Um, but I'll do that after talking about the day's events and stuff. But it kind of really hit me hard at that moment in time on Friday. And I'm going to come back to this after talking about Sunday. But before we talk about the actual event, um, the main events itself. So remind me on that one, John. Anyway, uh, realized since a lot of those guys were playing in a thing, we won't be able to get drinks until a little later. Uh, I went with friend Robert, who's partner Hallie, you might know from Girlfriend Bracket. Uh, we went down with three of us to grab some sushi, uh, some delicious sushi. I got the omagasi, which I think that's what it is. Yeah, it's basically uh, let you pick it. It's basically chef's choice. And I did not go wrong with that. It was amazing. $40 sushi, well worth it. Um, later, met up with some of the people. Uh, at a place called Pine Box, great bar in Seattle. If you love craft beer, got some great beers, drinks, went home. Come back Saturday, did a couple of Masters drafts, played some Highlander. Um, I'm one in one right now. I, I need to uh, play that third game, Blake. If you're listening, <laughs> uh, yeah, I played Blake. Uh, we had to move tables, so we went one in one, and then like 
didn't play game three, but played a couple other games of Highlander. Hilarious format. Love it. We've talked about it ages ago. We need to talk about it again because it's still great and amazing and awesome. Hung out a friend of ours, Min, aka Pharmacist Judge, on Twitter. Gotta give a shout out to him. Uh, He is a judge. um, And he got some judge compensation product from doing an event or something like that. Box of Rivals, Box of Vixelon. And he just like was like, hey, I gotta get rid of this stuff. I don't want to take it home with me. So we did a bunch of turbo drafts. Like you draft and do one round, which was great. Um, actually, it was like the first couple of times some of us even had done rivals draft, so that was pretty fun. Was that the uh, Benjineering Memorial draft? Uh, that was one of them. <laughs> okay, actually, yes, no, yeah, that was one of them. It was the <laughs> the Ben Ulmer Memorial draft? Uh, jokingly, because Ben wanted to come down, but other things uh, prevented him from coming down, so we just kind of joking printed a picture out and was like taking pictures of buddy Ben. Uh, Sunday did another Master 25 drafts. Fun fact, I have a terribly awful luck with Master 25 drafts and picking out pack and getting packs that have crap opening mythic rares. Two of the three drafts I did had Doomsday, which is <laughs> you don't start a draft in modern in Masters 25 with Doomsday. There's literally no payoff to that darn card. I think there is, but like, whatever. I, I have not looked at the Doomsday piles in, in Masters 25 limited, but I don't imagine they're very good. No, there's no there's no lab maniac. Let's put it that way. There's no like readily apparent win con. That said, uh I did get a Rashad Rashad import in the nice. other draft as my pack one rare, so yay, money. <laughs> that was like, ooh, cool. There's my draft. Thirty dollars. Uh then the after we did Master Twenty Five, like slammed a Master Oh, Saturday. So one of those Master Twenty Five drafts was the loading ready run fan meetup, which was amazing and great. We fired two pods which was awesome. Uh, then Saturday, we did another Masters Draft to actually did a solid one on earlier, and then like, we did another one fired. Tried to run around to meet up with everybody that I just did not have um, get a chance to say hi to on Friday and Saturday. There were literally so many people there that I just flat out didn't have enough time to like actually get good conversations in with everybody. Got to meet some people who I never met before, like Shivam. Uh, and uh turn one thought sees uh jeremy missouri magic uh i got to meet andrew who the the, the sarpedian empires uh tumblr account uh i got to meet jay who had like the uh amazing raven man uh lore stuff put together so that there are two have there are two of the three of the of the vorthos cast the other one is carrie good friend of the who show we've had on before yes uh did not meet them but they weren't there so hard to meet them if they're not there and just countless other people, uh, people from Twitter I'd never met before. It was great. Uh, didn't really get a chance to say hi to any of the cosplayers, though they straight up killed it this weekend. Um, tons of amazing cosplay there. Uh, really hope that continues to be a thing that happens. I actually did see, on a side note, I did see Channel Fireball, Channel Fireball on Twitter today ask if any cosplayers were going to uh, the Brazilian GP coming up. Which Ooh. that's kind of cool that there are they're putting they're pinging out on Twitter and they got some replies too. People like, hey, I'm in the area, like or Brazilian cosplayers who like magic are like, yeah, I'm, I'll be there. So that's kind of cool. Hope they start uh, featuring that a little bit more. Uh, that said, great weekend, amazing people. Seattle is a great town. I really do hope they continue to hold the Grand Prix Seattle's every year at the convention center. Because it's a nice central location. Uh, make it a dual format one every time. Because this one went great. 
it had a mini kind of convention feel. And if we're not getting conventions at all, Watsi and Magic, Pipples, this is the closest thing. Uh, there are a couple more dual legacy slash standard GPs coming up later in the year. I think the next one's in Europe. Then there's one in Richmond, Virginia. So there's GP Birmingham. Which is legacy standard, same setup as Seattle. Yes, GP Birmingham. Yes, yeah, so GP Birmingham's the one in Europe that's in Great Britain. Then Richmond, Virginia, on Labor Day weekend, which might also be PAX West weekend, which would stink. And then there's ja- one of the Japanese ones. I want to say Shizuoka. Yes, yes, yeah, Shiz- correct. Yeah, Shizuoka is the other one, and that's in this winter. So. There's two, there's one more North American dual GP. Richmond's a pretty big hotbed hot for Magic, Star City Games, and area. Or not necessarily that yet. So it's a, that's kind of their realm uh, and that area. So there should be a lot of Star City Games grinders out for those. That would be kind of fun too because you get a lot of the West Coast people with all the huge following it is in Seattle coming out to that one. Plus, we'll get to go to SCG's backyard on the other side of the country later on. So I wanted to mention the kind of social aspect thing. I know chewing up a lot of time, but I kind of want to talk about this a little bit. And I did have a massive slamming bout of uh, imposter syndrome this weekend. It was kind of crazy at the same time. I mean, I know I'm mostly known for moderating web chats. Oh, speaking of another person I met, uh, Baytog, Rachel. Uh, yeah, really had a really great chat with her. And Lindsay, I had a great chat with her too. Hilarious person. Uh, she's great. But reason I brought that because modding other channels and stuff talked about that a little bit with her though for me the imposter syndrome was like i just it's weird i never really consider myself huge in the community or anything of that sort i just you know i just moderate whatever i tweet a lot about a tweet a lot of bs we got the podcast not not huge but a decently small loyal fan base and shout out to all you people out there who've been with us for a while or new folk appreciate it uh but realizing holy crap these people who are huge in the community know me by face <laughs> um just like i said hanging out with just popping over and saying hi to friends like the lure guys and the professor and a couple of people at the bounty spell scene kenji was a table over was like oh hey dicks and i'm like what <laughs> hey kenji um and i was just kind of walking around like walking from one table to another walk past uh, one of the Watson community managers, Nate Price, is like, oh, hey, Dix. And I'm like, wait, you know who I am? What the heck? What? I just got to say, like, it it was unexpected, but amazingly great. Also, totally never mentioned him so far. Your buddy, Ruben. Yep. Hung out with him a little bit this weekend again. Chatted with him. Uh, invited me down to uh, the Magic Mike's podcast, a little meetup that happened there. It was kind of fun. Uh, good yep. dinner there. But yeah, uh, just, you know, I got to hang out with him a lot too the other weekend at GP Phoenix and stuff like that. Like, it's just one of those things where the magic community does have some people who are, to be blunt, dicks. Not not D-I-X, your nickname. Not D-I-X dicks, but <laughs> D-I-C-K-S dicks. Um, they're not kind people. Yeah. There are some vocal, they are vocal, but they are a very vocal minority. And I'm glad it's a minority of magic players because there were so many amazing people that I got to meet and hang out with this weekend that it was great. And the fact that people were like going out of the way to try and actually meet me made me feel really appreciative. And I know I can't 
mention everybody, but I do want to say a massive thank you from the bottom of my heart to everyone who was like, hey, we need to meet up. We need to meet up. Like, I hope we meet up before we leave, kind of thing like that. And, and also a big apology to anyone who I didn't get a chance to say hi to. Uh, do have some regrets on that. The FOMO was real. The, the fear of missing out was definitely real on, on Friday, uh, Thursday and Friday. But I, did, I feel like I made up for it the other days. Um, I, I know we've, John and I have talked about this before, but seriously, if you have a GP in your area, even if you don't play in the main event, I don't care. Go. Go to that GP. It is free to walk in the door. Free to walk in the door. You can just wander around. You can meet all sorts of people. They had spell slinging events. It was free to do spell slinging. Like, if they if they happen to be doing spell slinging events or hosting that kind of thing, you can just, like, wait in line for a little bit, plop down and play against somebody in the community. Like, I know Lure was spell slinging. Like, other people from Watsi were spell slinging. Cosplayers were spell slinging. It was great. And, uh, oh, cool. Also, shout out to uh, Kendra and Lauren, who swung by my stream a couple they, they, weeks, like a week or two ago when I was doing Pauper, and I got to meet Kendra for the first time and meet, say hi to Lauren again. Shout out to them. Uh, but the, uh, yeah. So it was a great time with community, but there was also a main event that happened. <laughs> there, were, there were actually two main events that happened. There were uh, two. The Legacy event was streamed in its entirety. And then day two of Standard was streamed on Sunday. Uh, Legacy was, turned out to be kind of the usual fare. Uh, Lands was a very popular deck, but it was won by Daniel Duerte with Grixis Delver. Um, and it turns out he did not drop a single game over the course of the tournament. Now, he didn't go a perfect day, no, because he did do a concession, I believe, in later rounds when he had... When uh, he had a top, lock, top eight locked up. Yeah, when he had top eight locked up, he you know shook hands to get breakers to somebody else. Which But speaking great. of a perfect record... Yeah, dude, mono red still a thing. Mono red aggro is still a thing, and it goes eighteen and zero at the hands of Ganyan. Uh, eighteen and zero, first time that has ever happened at a Grand Prix. He did have two buys, um, but that does not take away from the feat the fact that he what, he beat sixteen other people and did not drop a single match over the course of the tournament. Yeah, the dude just was Gan Ganyan was literally on fire. This it was really interesting uh, going back because I did I wasn't watching the stream of the, his finals was against um, uh, I forget the kid's name but he's a 15 year old aiming to be the youngest uh, GP champion playing one of the most out of the si- out of nowhere decks in blue red Godfarer's gift Grace Grayson Roberts Grayson Roberts playing blue red Godfarer's gift which unlike the blue white versions uh, has like a combo finish with essentially with uh, with uh, your boy. Combat uh, celebrant, combat celebrant, as well as a vizier of many faces, sometimes to uh, just take a bajillion combat steps. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So the combination is: so combat celebrant is two in a red for a four-one human warrior that reads: If combat celebrant hasn't been exerted this turn, you may exert it as it attacks. When you do, untap all their creatures you control, and after this phase, there is an additional combat phase. So if you have two of them out, or you have a vizier of many faces copying it out. You, you literally just go ham. So the the, the real the real ham is having a Godfarrow's gift down in your um so at the beginning of combat on your turn you may exile a creature card, usually a vizier or another champion of wits, and you just go ham because you exert it, attack, untap with your other one, and on that attack step you exert that one, untap for another attack step with the other one, and you just keep cycling it back and forth, just swinging out for a bajillion until your opponent's dead. Uh, another fun thing from the standard thing, vehicles has dropped the white. Yeah, which like, is interesting. It's just straight 
black red now and even then like the black is for stuff in the sideboard like some fatal pushes uh some doom falls and and three unlicensed disintegration in the main board jerry thompson took it the fourth place finish which is pretty cool uh, but there were yep. three blue red god pharaoh's gifts in the top uh eight which is kind of crazy there was a marty vehicles list too but it looks like vehicles is settled on two color for now as well as well to be fair red. their mana was really bad Oh, it was straight garbage. Like yeah. they had to rely on the uh, the courtyard, the white black concealed one, courtyard. Yep, and inspiring vantage. I will say, I think their mana gets better with the buddy lands coming out in Dominaria, which we haven't talked about. The buddy lands, isolated chapel, uh, sulfur falls, uh, hinterland harbor, woodland cemetery, and which one am I forgetting? Uh, Clifftop retreat. The enemy color buddy lands originally printed in Innistrad, and they're only printing. Finally, get a reprint here in Dominaria. And they go really well with the uh, cycle lands from Amonkhet. Yeah, I also have to say, too, what's great about those is they have plain agnostic names. Which is something that Wizards learned a little too late, but yeah. it is still good. I mean, to be fair, I do think the Zendikar fetches have plain agnostic names as well, for the most part. Uh, well, we've seen the the Onslaught fetches in Konzatark here. Well, but I'm, yeah, but I'm and saying, then, like, yeah. yeah, but I'm saying, like, they, they, at least those have plain agnostic names. Yeah, I know they got, got printed in Masters 2017, but... Like, there's, the only cycle I think that, that is going to be really hard for them to reprint are the Scars of Mirrodin Fastlands, because those are specifically tied to Mirrodin. Oh, like Dark Slick, Dark Slick Shores, Copper Black Cleave, Gorge, yeah. Black, Black Leaf Cliffs. Cliffs, yeah. Yeah, those are going to be hard. Oh, the Black Leaf Cliffs needs a reprint, especially after, uh, what's it called, just took off recently. After Grixis and Jund both took off? Yeah, they well, desperately need it. And also Hollow One. That too. Yeah. So That said. Had, let's talk about Dominaria. Uh, but we'll, one last thing to wrap up GP Seattle. Oh, uh, yeah. Go the main it. events were great. Um, as far as I'm aware of, there were minimal hitches to the tournament in terms of any kind of events. Didn't really hear about any major controversies or anything of the sort, and bravo. Also, there you go. one thing, too, there were a crap ton of artists at GP Seattle, and it was so great to see the lines that some of these artists just had constantly. Oh, yeah. Always great to the see that. Artists are awesome. They and Also, to be fair, the artists saved the spoiler season after the, the, the unfortunate leak of the rules document. Oh but, man, yeah, I know. And I know we put it in our notes. We'll probably we'll probably save this for a different episode too. But magic art is something I definitely want to talk about. We'll see if we can get some people on to chit chat. Yeah, I'll about see if we that. can see if Mike wants to talk art. I'm sure he does. I'll ping the boy. <laughs> All right. But anyway, so first up, let's talk about uh, a few of the colorless cards that we didn't that we didn't get a chance to talk about last week. Uh, let's start with the card that uh, I was watching the SCG open for a little bit last weekend, and the card that. Uh, Patrick Sullivan said is the most dangerous for standard. Karn, Scion of Urza. He is a four generic mana legendary planeswalker Karn that starts at five loyalty. Yep, start, four mana starts at five. Uh, you can plus one Karn to reveal the top two cards of your library. An opponent chooses one of them, put that card into your hand and exile the other with a silver counter on it. Minus one, put a card you own with a silver counter on it from exile into your hand. And then minus two... Create a zero zero colorless construct artifact creature token with this creature gets plus one plus one for each artifact you control. So this card doesn't have kind of like a big in game ultimate, and it's instead is this this miniature value engine and draws you cards. Yeah, like especially the reveal part of that. It's like your opponent chooses which one you want to get that turn. 
Yeah. Like, if, if they don't have a way to deal six damage to Karn, you can easily just go at minus one, get the other card. And the one thing that I missed the first time that um, I read Karn, but Patrick Sullivan really kind of explained, if he, I play a Karn and I plus one, and then you kill my Karn, I can play my second Karn and minus one and pick up the card with the silver counter on it. The silver counters aren't unique to that specific Karn. Oh, yeah. It's nuts. Yeah, Karn is a very, very powerful card. Uh, he doesn't really go in an aggro deck, I don't think. Um, he's definitely more of a mid-range control card for just, you know, oh, hey, hitting, grinding what? out advantage. I wonder if there's mid-range decks. Oh, right, blue-black. Blue-black mid-range. Uh, I don't know if blue-black mid-range needs a Karn. No, but... they don't. But I'm saying, like, there's mid-range strategies that currently exist in this format. Yeah. And it's also colorless, so you can play, be played in any deck that you want. So that makes Karn a, a little dangerous, but I think we'll we'll see how the format shakes out. So I, I was thinking maybe Karn would be a hilarious include in those Marionette Master combo decks as kind of like an or with the hidden stockpile kind of yes. decks. Like that card's wanting to make a ton of servos anyway and just make a bunch of colorless like either Thopters or servos. And heck, you just slam Karn down and just minus to it. Yeah. And get Karn like also, a swole boy in that construct. Karn also hilariously synergizes with uh, Tezzeret the Schemer uh, with that Tezzeret ultimate. Because you, you have a Tezzeret emblem and then you have the Karn token, which is a 0-0. Zero, zero, that gets plus one, plus one for each artifact. Co- go to combat, target the token, it becomes a 5-5 five, five with this creature gets plus one, plus one for each artifact you control. So it's naturally a 6-6 six, six with that Tezzeret emblem in play. Blah. It's... It's really, it's really, really cute, and I love it. And by that point, you already have a bunch of those Ethereum cells sitting out there, too. You would hope so, at least. Well, yeah. Uh, next, uh, let's talk about one of the big reprints with great new art, Gilded Lotus. EDH, staple, and at one time standard playable. Five generic mana for a rare artifact, and you can tap it to add three mana of any one color. Oh, yeah, like, this Vulcan Baga art just mimics some of the old lotus blooms and kind of a little bit of uh what's it called good old black lotus but not mm. like i know last week when we kind of mentioned it i thought like he had done one he hadn't he vulcan baga who did the art did not do any of the other uh black lotus arts i checked that out right. but the flavor text on this is so good and apparently uh moxie wrote it oh ah, yeah uh, the perfection of the lotus reminds me of my hopes for this world and my failures. I will not rest until I've atoned for them. Attributed to Karn. Yeah, so it it's good. Um not sure if this will see standard play, but it certainly might. If there's in, if there's a deck that wants a ton of mana. Yeah, if we have a big mana deck in standard, this will absolutely want it. Ramp into this bad boy, stick it on maybe like three or mm-hmm. four, and you're just off to the races, just generating tons of mana the rest of the game. Alright. So. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about, listen, they're not going to put the Weatherlight in the story and not put the Weatherlight in the set itself. So, Ian, what does the Weatherlight do? So, Weatherlight is a vehicle. That's right. We have vehicles back. Uh, Ooh, but it's a, well, it's, it, it's, yeah, I know. We've had the Skyship Weatherlight before that was a legendary artifact, but this is a legendary artifact vehicle. It's a four mana, four five with flying. Whenever the Weatherlight... Oh, it also has crew three, so that's the relevant vehicle text there. Not a bad crew thing. Remember, Joyra herself can crew the weatherlight on her own. 
I mean, of course, she's the weatherlight captain. Well, Duh. yeah, it's the flavor one. Anyway, so <laughs> but there's a large chunk of text, and it reads: When whenever the weatherlight deals combat damage to a player, look at the top five cards of your library. You may reveal a historic card from from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Artifacts, legendary sagas are historic. So we need. I think if this sees any kind of play in standard or other formats, it's going to be in a very legendary heavy deck or artifact heavy deck, depending on the needs. But correct. I think. Format, yeah, format I think this of four is five be, flyer is odd. This is going to be hilarious in Captain Sissa EDH. Yeah, that's going to just be ridiculous. It's almost like having a tutor every turn. Yeah. And Sissé herself is a tutor every turn, which is also ridiculous. So you can select up what you want with her, and then you can just like hope to hit something great off the weatherlight when yeah. you swing with it. But um, the art is great. Jamie Jones killed it. Um, just absolutely happy to see the old girl back. I think one of the best reactions to weatherlight was, man, seeing what the weatherlight looks like shows us how busted Smuggler Copter was. Right? Smuggler, Smuggler's Copter was ridiculous. Yeah, one mana, a two mana, three, three crew one that like lets you that loot. Loots on attacks and blocks and blocks. Why? It's, uh, it, it's bananas. Like, Weatherlight, remember, Weatherlight has to connect to a player's face. And then you look at the top five and, and you get one type, one specific type of card. Yeah, it's like, uh, bro. They definitely, they, they've definitely. I think with the Weatherlight found a great slot in terms of power level for a mythic vehicle. Absolutely. So, uh, also, I believe the vehicles are deciduous now. They can kind of be wherever, but they don't necessarily have to be a huge theme like they were in Kaladesh. Oh yeah, that's why like we're only getting like the Weatherlight. We're not like getting yeah. the Weatherlight and thirty bajillion other vehicles. Though I would love to see a, a, a mech. <laughs> I mean, there technically shout, was in shout out, Revolt. Shout out to Void. <laughs> Uh, Peacekeeper Colossus kind of looks like a mech. I know. I'm just I'm just giving c- crap to Urza. That's fair. <laughs> so next thing uh, I put on the list, I wanted to talk about this cycle of uncommon lands called the memorials. Uh, these all show various uh, historical pieces and places in uh, in Dominaria. They all interplay tapped. They all tap for a color of mana, and then they all have an activated ability that costs some amount of mana. Tap it, sacrifice it to do a thing. Uh, the white one is Memorial to Glory. It adds white mana, and it has three and a white tap and sacrifice it to create two one one white soldiers. Uh, the blue one has four tap sack, uh, draw two cards. The black one has two black tap sack, uh, return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. The red one, Memorial to War. Oh, by the way, the blue one was Memorial to Genius. The black one was Memorial to Folly. The red one is Memorial to War, uh, and it has four red tap sack, destroy target land. And then Memorial to Unity is uh, the green one, and it has two green tap sack. Look at the top five cards of your library. You may reveal a creature card from among them, put it into your hand, then put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. I think that one's going to have the most play in EDH. Oh, yeah. I think Memorial to Unity is going to be real good. It's definitely going into my Titania deck. Um, So these kind of spell lands are always nice to see. Whether or not they'll see constructed play outside of EDH, I don't know. I think the blue one could see play in standard. The blue uh, there's could. a very slow command, a very slow control deck. I the think red one the white could. One, the white one might, I think. White one could see play. The red one could also see play, but I mean, it is a very expensive strip mine. Now, remember, I mentioned the stockpile deck. Yeah, it cares about revolt. It, it does care about, about revolt. It does care about those and types of making, things. And you're making some tokens, and one ones are great for chumping. That is definitely true. Yeah. So, 
Next, let's talk about, uh, I mentioned this gentleman earlier, uh, last week, talked about Joda, Archmage Eternal. Now, he was uh, in the, he was in the, uh, spoiled text. The story that, yeah, he was in the spoiled text, and he was in the story this week, too. Uh, um, I have, I have yet to read the story, like, work, like, life's kind of busy today for me to do it. No, but I understand. Joda, Archmage He does Eternal. a lot of things. Uh, yeah. He's, a uh, one blue, red, white, so one in a Jeskai. For a four-three flying legendary creature, human wizard, John said he did a lot of things. Well, you may pay Wooberg the full white, blue, black, red, green, rather than pay the mana cost for spells that you cast. He is a legendary creature, Fist of the Suns. It's bananas. Oh, by the way, he's also a four-three flyer. Oh yeah, like <laughs> one in a Jeskai four-three flyer, like straight up okay. Might be some people's favorite new five-color commander. I know people still like Ramos. That's I mean, Ramos fine. is a very Ramos is a very different beast. So you want to know what's fun? Is there's a land that if you have six of it, you can literally just pay six mana for every anything you want and not have to worry about it. That is Cascading Cataracts. That is true. <laughs> yeah, Indestru- Cascading Cataracts. The indestructible Amonkhet rare land that tap to add a colorless or five and tap add five mana in any combination of colors to your mana pool. There you go. Have five mana extra and tap this bad boy, and you can start casting all sorts of giant things. Oh, yes. Uh, this is definitely going to be somebody's favorite new uh, five-color commander. Especially, oh, yeah, if, especially if you're looking to just cast, like, dumb, expensive stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, regenerate this for five mana? Uh, legacy weapon. Um, decree of Pain for five mana? Hey, hey, John. Yeah? John. What? Five, five mana Emrakul. I was going to get there, too, eventually. Yeah, I beat you yeah, to punch. You did. <laughs> yeah, Joda, Joda looks insane. I'm excited to uh, see how he works out in Commander and Brawl, potentially, uh, depending on how Brawl right. uh, spans out. That's one thing I forgot to mention about GP Seattle. Uh, Brawl, very apparently very popular at GP, uh, GP Seattle, and it was like one of the first times people actually got like a massive event to play it in paper. And apparently it was ridiculously popular. So I'm waiting until we get the full Dominary spoiler. Then I'm going to dive headlong into figuring out who my Brawl Commander is going to be. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, next card uh, I want to talk about. There's a cycle. Uh, I think we mentioned a few of them uh, last week yeah. of re- of XXX creatures where X is just whatever mana there are. Uh, the red one is Goblin Chain Whirler. Yeah. He is red, red, red for a 3-3 Goblin Warrior with first strike. And when it airs the battlefield, it deals one damage to each opponent and each creature and Planeswalker they control. So you so you said you were talking about tokens. Oh my god, just, <laughs> yeah, lol tokens, what? And no, you're not. <laughs> so what's funny is they, they literally banned out of standards a, a card that punishes tokens, and then they print this bad boy, which does, it doesn't hurt your life total like uh, uh, Ferocidon did. Speaking yeah, of, Ferocid- yeah. one of my one of my rares... Speaking of unplayable rares in draft, one of my rares was actually the Frostodon. I'm like, uh, Judge, can I get a replacement pack? <laughs> hey, Frostodon is insane and limited. Don't you, don't you besmirch its good I name? I wasn't. It was my pack two, and I wasn't in red. No, I know. I was just like, I uh, know. replacement pack. <laughs> I got shafted. Yeah, of course, banned card in my draft pack. All right. Next is a card that but no Cham- chamber was hilarious. Right. Plus, especially the goblins that are coming out now. Oh yeah, goblin tribal may actually be viable. We'll see. Next is a card that has gotten a lot of Eternal players very worried. Uh, Damping Sphere is a two-mana artifact, and it's an uncommon, by the way. People were selling, were pre-selling this on eBay for 30 bucks, thinking it was a rare. 
They got hosed. <laughs> don't buy presale unless until you see the damn card. It's all right, so funny. and don't buy and don't buy cards from YouTube or from eBay. Anyways, Damping Sphere has two lines of text. It's first one: if a land is tapped for two or more mana, it produces C colorless instead of any other type and amount. So Urza lands, they're not that they're not all that anymore. They only make one mana. It's cool. The other one. Each spell a player casts costs one more to cast for each other spell that player has cast this turn. I hate this card already. Can it just die in a fire? And that's coming from a uh, uh, Storm player? <laughs> yeah. Also, this thing is just the stone nutter butters against Tron. Like, yeah, like it, it hoses Tron. Well, actually, it also... right, correction. It's not the stone nutter butters because Tron still plays a proactive game where you can actually draw out of it and... Um, play a mid-range game at that point until you have 10 lands and start ca- hard casting your Eldrazi. Even yeah. so, it slows them down. And I hate it. <laughs> it don't, I, don't, I don't hate it as much as I hate Rule of Law and Eidolon of Rhetoric, but I still hate it. It's Borb. It's the, sideboard, the sideboard orb. <laughs> it really is, isn't it? Yeah. Like, uh, I would honestly expect to see this. People are going to test with this. I don't know if it's going to be a massive, like, if you expect Storm or Tron to sort of tune your sideboard and pray to God you draw it, but it's good. It's very, it's very powerful. Don't play this in limited though. It's not good in limited. Yeah. It's not good in limited. No, yeah, I was just thinking. I was like, brief, quick, like, yeah. There's really no payoff for like multiple mana. Yeah. Now here's a card um, because we've we've recently talked about how Popper is infested with blue decks, and the power of blue cantrips in Popper is through the roof. So, Ian, tell me about Adventurous Impulse. So, green, you know, furthering its push for, hey, look, I'm a relevant card draw or card selection in more recent sets. It's Adventurous Impulse. Green. One green pip. That's it. Sorcery. At common. Look at the top three cards of your library. You may reveal a creature or land card from among them. And put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. Oh, high Oath of Nissa minus the Planeswalker Clause. Well, Oath of Nissa also hit Planeswalkers. That's what I said, minus but, the Planeswalker Clause. Oh, fair enough. I also think like the Planeswalker well, Clause. Well, yeah, the, the, span, like, the spending mana thing. And I meant like just drop Planeswalker from that card and you have Oath of Nissa in sorcery form. And I mean, this is this. And I love how people have been calling this the green ponder. I mean, they're not kind of wrong. <laughs> it's yeah they're not wrong it's very powerful like i don't know how is, good it is in limited but it's very very good uh yeah especially in stuff like to be fair i don't know if elves wants this in pauper but right. damn like yeah. you can dig like digging three cards in your elves deck just to see it like to select the elf you might want elf or land you might need in the top couple cards of your deck i don't think you want to turn turn you want to take turn one off to do this? This is something you probably do on two mm. when you can start getting at least Nettle Sentinel and other kinds of crazy shenanigans rolling. But this card is nuts. Oh, yeah. Like, this card I, is very, I very can't, good. I can't, like, I'm not much of a pauper brewer, but I can't wait to see what some of the people who are way better than me uh, do with this card. It's going to be great. Yeah. Speaking of other commons, you, you, back in Urza's Destiny, or Urza Saga, or whatever the Urza block had, they thought that it would be really fair to have this mechanic where you untap lands, and your spells are essentially free. So, that led to in Dominaria, stuff. <laughs> like, treachery has no has no business 
untapping five lands. Uh, can you say hello to Peregrine Drake and Pauper? And Palancron? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Unwind is two and a blue for a common instant. It says counter target non-creature spell. Untap up to three lands. It's a one mana more to gate that is, quote, free. So, yeah. Uh, hi, Torrential Gear Hulk. What's up? <laughs> This is so bonkers. It's it's really powerful, but I don't know if it's like good enough. Like is the crazy thing. I think it might be. Here's the thing. All right, so this is gonna re- like go back to the, this requires more testing because uh, I think it does, um, especially like I said with torrential gear hulk in standard because oh my god, uh, yeah. you can unwind something to counter some relevant spell they have, like a planeswalker or something. Untap your three lands, cast something else. Like, I don't know. It's very good. Cycle something else away. Then, when you have Torrential Gear Hulk at the ready, you get Torrential Gear Hulk, Unwind, and three mana untapped. Yeah, that's like, insane. What? That's gross. It does only counter non-creatures, which, you know, is actually a downside in certain cases. But, but it's definitely, that's why I definitely think it's, a, a, it's definitely something worthwhile sideboard testing, and do not be surprised if you see pros playing this in their sideboards if you're playing a blue mid-range deck. Absolutely. Or a control deck. Yeah, blue mid-ranger control, like, I would not be surprised seeing this. Speaking of counterspells, Syncopate has been reprinted here with amazing art um, by Tommy Arnold with Teferi, just kind of like snapping his fingers and making a fire spell look really, really inept. Uh, Syncopate is X and a blue for a common instant. Counter-target spell unless his controller pays X. If that spell is countered this way, exile it instead of putting it into its owner's graveyard. Less good with Torrential Gear Hulk but really good about getting rid of gods permanently, especially Scarab God and all the and the other uh, gods from uh, from our devastation. Oh yeah, speaking of a card that's going to see some cyborg play, hello, maybe even main deck in some in some decks. Yeah, because, I can see this being main decked a few times. Yeah. Um. So syncopate we last saw in Ravnica or Return I, to. I think it was an RTR. It was an RTR as an uncommon. This already was pauper legal from Odyssey. Yes. But what's great about we kind of touched on art slightly. So the Mark Winters, the art director for this, apparently told Tommy Arnold, the artist, imagine what would look like with a corrupted MP three audio file. Yeah, I can believe it. Like the art is he basically told Tommy Arnold, like, think about what a corrupted audio file sounds like. Draw that. And he kinda did, and it's amazing. Oh yeah. I need to get like a print of this, and I think that he's still doing a sale for another day or two on that. I gotta double check. I believe he is. Go check on Twitter. It is. Uh, next is a card that. Um, so last week we mistakenly talked about how there's only five legendary sorceries. Turns out there's six. Got him. And this one, and this one has me really going. Like, I have not brewed in a long time for standard, and this is has having me brewing. Primeval's Glorious Rebirth. Five white black for a legendary sorcery at rare. Remember, you can only cast a legendary sorcery if you control a legendary creature or a, leg- or a legendary planeswalker. And it says, return all legendary permanent cards from your graveyard to the battlefield. Yeah. This is very, very powerful in the right circumstances. It's gross, and it's amazing. Also, I- no Bradley Stray kill it again. He's really good at this art thing. He should consider doing it professionally. <laughs> Got him. Got him. Anyways, uh, Primeval's Glorious Rebirth. I'm really, I'm, I've been brewing with it. Nothing, I don't think anything has really taken hold yet, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, next, Ian, tell us about Marwin the Nurturer. So Marwin the Nurturer is uh, two and a green, one, one. You're like, what? 
Legendary creature elf druid. Whenever uh, another elf enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus one plus one counter on Marwyn the Nurturer. She also has tap. Add a number. Add an amount of green equal to Marwyn's power. Yeah. Yeah. At She's the, very at the, good. At the worst, she is a Llanowar elf for three for three mana. So she is a elvish vanguard, which was originally printed at rare, then downshifted to common in Eternal Masters for one more mana. The tap that can then tap for mana. She has the potential to be really insane here in Standard, and she costs three mana, and she's an elf. Remember, Vrishkar is also around. Vrishkar can put two counters on yes. Marwyn, and then have Marwyn tap for not only green uh, with that whole thing, but also just can three tap green. for green. Yeah, she can tap for three green, but then she can tap for one of any color because of Vrishkar. <laughs> yes. Uh, also, uh, Marwyn is 3 CMC, which means that she is a collected company hit. Yep. Also. I don't know if she's going to be relevant for, uh, relevant in modern, because she is a 3 mana 1-1, one, one. but if there's any deck that can break her in modern, it's collected company elves. Yeah, that would be hilarious, you know, like, hitting a bunch of things off, hitting a bunch of elves off your collected company. Uh, like, Coco put Marwyn into play and Dwynan's Elite, trigger Dwynan's Elite, make a 1-1, one, one, put two counters on Marwyn, my turn, play at Elvish Mystic, Marwyn has four mana, tap for four, Coco again. Yeah, it's it can get really nasty. And then you can just nail them with a, uh, what's it called? Uh, Shaman of the Pack. There you go. Speaking of black cards, so there's this land that's kind of absurd in Commander called Cabal Coffers. It does not tap for mana, except it has two and tap, add black to your mana pool for every swamp you control. Combos really well with Urbor Tomb of Yagmoth. They printed a fixed one. Cabal Stronghold is a rare land from Dominaria. It can, you can tap to add C to your mana pool, or you can pay three and tap it to add black to your mana pool for every basic swamp you control. So they fixed it by making it one more expensive to activate its ability, and only adding mana for your basic swamps. Now, this does still work with Urborg, but it doesn't work as well as Urborg and Cabal Coffers works. Yeah, because it's the one extra mana to activate it kind of means you need extra land to actually start netting mana off of this. However, Cabal Coffers was stone broken. Yeah. Still is stone broken. Yep. And I've seen people complain, why couldn't they just reprint Cabal Coffers? And it's like, uh, hello, it's broken. Also, they don't really print lands anymore that don't tap for mana normally. Yeah. Um, it, the other it didn't, thing. Like, Cabal Coffers is straight up. That's like what people were saying. It's the modern design philosophy in terms of uh, these kind of like extra ability lands. They'll either enter the battlefield untapped and add only colorless, or they'll eat to be tapped and then add a color of mana. Yeah. Um, either way, it's. Kind of funny. Probably we'll see playing some mono black EDH strategies for sure. Not entirely sure if there's a mono black deck in standard that would want this, but we'll see. It's flavorful and I like it. Yeah. Plus, hey, we get to see the stronghold again from the Wrath Cycle. Yeah. All right, Ian, I'm going to let you take this next card because it's your boy. It's my boy. It's your boy, Multani. Yavamaya's avatar. Four green green for a zero zero legendary creature elemental avatar, and you're like, wait, what? It's also got reach and trample. That's right, a zero zero with reach and trample. But wait, there's more. Yeah. So the original Tani had star star, which is power toughness equal to total number of cards in all players' hands. So this is how they're templating it nowadays. 
with Multani Yavimai's Avatar gets plus one plus one for each land you control and each land card in your graveyard. Yeah, that's pretty so, good. So, unless you're working off of literally nothing but mana rocks, you're going to have at least three or four lands on the battlefield for this bad boy. He's going to get swole. This is remember that ramp deck we were talking about. Yeah, yeah. They're printing a bunch of cards too that let you. Uh, I think they they printed some ramp spells, haven't they? Uh, In green. There's, well, there's Thunderhead Migration from Rivals if you have Dinos. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I don't think there's any in here. I mean, there. okay, there is a uh, Llanowar Scout, which is a 2-mana 1-3 that says tap. You may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield, but it's I don't know if there's any... Of, there's a lot of mana elves looking at some of this. There are a lot of mana elves. There is, there's also a mana elf, Elfham Druid, that's a 2-mana 0-2 that you can tap to add green or tap to add green-green, but you can only spend this mana to cast Kicked Spells. Yeah. Either way, well, time's great. Oh, and I didn't mention, he still has 1 and a green, return 2 lands you control to their owner's hand. It'll turn Multani from your graveyard to your hand. Also, Multani's a mythic because he's very much... He's it's powerful. really hard to kill him. He's strong. <laughs> he is very, very swole. Also, what's great is uh, people are loving him and possible talking about him in Gitfrog or Titania EDH strategies because those are majorly land-centric. Oh, yes. Oh, uh, yes. He's going to be new best friends with people in those decks. But oh, yes. I, I'm I'm happy he's back. I hope to see, I hope we get to see him in some sort of story part of it. But speaking of story. Oh, my. So this is the second story spotlight. Or no, this is the third story spotlight card. Excuse me. I think. Wait. No, it's the second story spotlight Parting? card. Parting? Yeah, the second. Yeah, second. We haven't seen the first one, but we've seen the other two. Which is, we've seen uh, the other three. We've seen the other three. Yeah. Well, there's only four, and this is number two, and then there's we've seen three and four. But Final Parting is three black-black for an uncommon sorcery. Search your library for two cards. Put one into your hand and the other into your graveyard, then shelf your library. So this is Diabolic Tutor with an Entomb stapled onto it for two different cards. Yes. And this is the moment where Liliana uh, officially puts Josu to rest, who is her brother, who Bells and Lock turned into a Lich and all the other sports things. This is story number two. In the uh, in the overall story that Martha Wa- that Martha Wells is writing, no relation. Um, th- this card is really powerful, especially in decks that like to put things in their graveyard, uh, like say Primeval's Reb- Glorious Rebirth. Um, but yeah, Final Parting is really really cool, and I'm really interested to see how see if this sees play in Standard. I don't think it will. Five mana sorcery is a lot, but a man can dream. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, next. Let's go ahead and talk about uh, the legendary artifact equipment, Black Blade Reforged, still ticking on that lore theme. It is a two-mana legendary artifact equipment at rare. Uh, the equipped creature gets plus one, plus one for each land you control. All right. And it has equip seven. That That's a lot. That's but... a lot. But it also has equipped legendary creature three. So this card is... Stupidly flavorful, dating back all the way to Dacom Blackblade in Legends, which is a two black, blue, blue, white star star legend where the stars basically, says the stars below equal the number of lands you control. So power toughness for Dacom was based on the number of lands you control. This gives plus one, plus one to the number of lands you control. It is so choice in flavor. It also has great flavor text. It spilled the blood of one Elder Dragon. In Gideon's hands, it may yet taste another's. Yeah, Ooh. so the story of the Black Blade, it actually, I forget which one of the other Elder Dragons it slayed, but it has killed an Elder Dragon before. Yes. We know that this is powerful enough to kill something. It is. Like Bolas. 
That's the hope, at least. Oh, it's going to be Stone Nutter Butters. Also, you know what's fun? What? Saddling Marwin up with this card. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, that's so much mana. So much mana. One of the things you can cast with that mana, spoiled today by Li Tian, Verdant Force, very good card. But I want to talk about Lich's Mastery, because this was previewed by Richard Garfield on Facebook. It's magic as Richard Garfield intended. Literally. Uh, because this he designed the Lich back in Alpha, and it was very flavorful, but it was not very good. Lich's Mastery, however, might actually be good. It is three black, black, black for a legendary enchantment. It has hexproof, and then it has a bunch of lines of text. You can't lose the game. Whenever you gain life, draw that many cards. Whenever you lose life, for each one life you lost, exile a permanent you control, or a card from your hand or graveyard. And when Lich's Mastery leaves the battlefield, you lose the game. So basically, the only way you lose the game, after you have resolved a Lich's Mastery, is by having no cards in your having no cards in play, no cards in your hand, and no cards in your graveyard. Yeah, this is dope. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's really silly. I don't know how good it is. It definitely gets a lot worse if there's like a target player sacrifices an enchantment card. But man. Some people are uh, talking about this is hilarious with the uh, approach of the second sun. It is. It's it's hilarious. Because it resolves you gain the life and then you draw it right back into your hand. Oh, it's so good. I don't know how viable that is, but it's so good. It's pretty hilarious, but I really, you know, like they fixed, like Richard did it. He fixed an old design that he had, cleaned it up, and it's just streamlined and gorgeous. Yep. People are going to try with this card. You just... This is a very powerful engine, just needs a way to end the game. Oh, I'm telling you right now, we will absolutely see Saffron Olive doing against all odds with this card. There's a lot of against the odds cards in this set, to be fair. But that's definitely high on the pecking order. I mean, it's, yeah, it's an against all odds as Richard Garfield intended. It it is. (laughs) All right, so let's move on to uh, the Vorthos cast preview card, Uh, mentioning Carrie and Jay and uh, who's the last gentleman on that podcast? Andrew, that's right. I was like, A name, Anthony. No, that's wrong. Uh, this is the last story spotlight card in Bolus's Clutches. Four blue blue for a legendary enchantment aura at Uncommon. You enchant a permanent, you control the enchanted permanent, and the enchanted permanent is legendary. But the reason why I want to talk, talk about this is it shows Liliana hold on, hold on. being... Hold on. What? Massive story spoilers. Oh yeah, Yo. massive story spoilers. Uh, Liliana is kind of walking into Nicol Bolas's clutches, literally, it's the name of the card, with a flavor text, your contract is in default, you belong to me now, serve or die. So the TLDR is, um, because we're kind of running short on time, uh, the third story spotlight card shows Liliana killing Belzenlock. We'll talk, we'll talk, we'll go, we'll dig a little bit more into that one, because it's actually a really cool card, but... Yeah. Uh, And so now she has no Demon Master, so she's like, I'm free, and then Bolas is like, well, turns out... The way those contracts were worded, now I own your soul. So <laughs> it's like it's like surprise. Those uh those demons I sent you and told you about. I was playing the long con because I know how you are. I knew you were going to go kill them, so I put a loophole in there or a clause that said when there's no one there, it's me. Yep. So in her going around killing all these demons, getting them out of Bolus's way, fetching up some weird, awkward side quests and all other kinds of fun things like that. He literally played right into her hands, and poor Lily. So, also not poor Lily, but also poor Lily. 
Like it's like I feel bad for you, but you're kind of you're kind of a bad person, but I still feel bad for you. Like you did weird. you did all this hard work killing all these demons and doing all this stupid stuff with the chain veil, blah blah blah. And you literally played right into the mastermind's hands. Also, what's kind of interesting about this card too is once it was previewed um with all that kind of stuff and fanfare, people are like, I'm getting kind of sick of Nickel Bolas now. I don't blame them. But we have no one can deny that the story is moving at a faster pace than it has in the past. Oh my god! Like it's in moving... the past, like in the past, we wouldn't have gotten this moment for another three years. No, we wouldn't have gotten this moment for at least another two sets. Yeah, like still, I think that I think this I think the the story is moving at an appropriate pace for a story that only advances four times a year. Yeah, it's it's much needed in terms of speeding up the pace because before you know, like when we had three block sets. Like, Konzatark here. was so slow. We had, like, we didn't get resolution to the Konzatark here thing for, like, a year. Basically, yeah. This is, we're getting, like, the resolution of an entire, like, storyline in one shot. It's great. Yeah. But the, um, it really sets up Core 2019. Oh, yes. Uh, because Absolutely. so far, some of the key art we've seen has Tezzeret on it. It has Nicol Bolas on it. So this is pr- this might – and based off of the Tezzeret art, this might be kind of like the Bolas setting up his – like, what has Bolas been up to all this time kind of thing before we saw him come back to Amonkhet. I mean, we yeah. saw a little bit of his pre-Amonkhet plans in the Amonkhet story, but not like, what's he been doing since Conflux and all that kind of craziness shenaniganery happening with the uh, – that – yeah, this... we do know that it's not the villain's version of Origins. That's all we know. No, yeah, and to be fair, I'm glad it's not. Yeah, because I would have been like, yawn. But if this yeah. is kind of like a meanwhile, yeah, I, I'm all I'm all in for that. I'm in for that because it sets up the confrontation on Ravnica in the fall. If we I'm see just... Ravnica in the fall, I look, think we'll see Ravnica a little bit later. Look, but... we're gonna we're gonna see Ravnica at some point. Like the story is pointing to there, considering the fact that Jace has kind of like thrown the whole since we saw with Azor and the Guild Pack being thrown into disarray with him being Jace being gone and all this other kind of crazy shenaniganery. We'll see how it goes, but yeah, the, yeah. the right now it's one of those like everything's kind of pointing at Ravnica being like the final fight battleground. So we'll see mm-hmm. how that goes. And the last card we want to talk about is literally a magic first. They have never printed a card with these creature types, with this power and toughness. Yargle, Glutton of Urborg, is four and a black for a legendary creature, Frog Spirit of Uncommon, which is a 9-3. That's it. Just a 9-3. No other text. <laughs> no, no, no. There's a lot of text. Flavor text. We but have it's that flavor text. It's goddamn Yargle Bargle. Love this card. It's, it's so, hilarious. It's so stupid. Stupid and amazing, and I love it. Uh, the best the flavor part, t- the, so the best part, all right, so the flavor text is, when Bells and Locks Lieutenant Yarkul grew too ambitious, the Demon Lord transformed him into a maggot. The frog that ate that maggot grew and grew until a ravenous spirit burst forth from its body. It's literally just a giant frog spirit <laughs> demon looking thing. It's, it's like picking up and eating people, and it's skipped a leg day. It's so hilarious. Uh... And people say levity's dead in magic. Oh man, this is this is just great. Uh, it is wonderful. It's incredible. Hey, plus also it gives people a new uh, card art to use when they post their records in tournaments. It's true. It is true. Um, 
uh, Andrew Brown, currently working in R and D, uh, posted a picture of it and said, "So how'd you do after round 12? Uh, I'm a Yargle now, so I'm dead. <laughs> Yargle dead to top eight. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> it's, so it's there's great. obviously a lot of more cards that we want to talk about, but Ian and I could literally do this for probably five hours straight. And we, and we would love to. I mean, I would right now. like a set review one day would be hilarious in terms of just like waxing poetic about the cards and not even like, is this playable? Is it not? Because uh, that's <laughs> other people. Yes. <laughs> but no, uh, this set is looking to be just absolutely dripping. I mean, I know I, say, I feel like I say this every time, but like literally this set is has it for everybody. It's dripping with flavor for people. Flavor shout outs in the sagas to the old school players who know the story. It's shouting got a lot of pretty decently powerful cards for like most formats. Pauper's getting a shot in the arm. There's probably something here that's gonna see play in modern. I mean, with uh especially what's it called, damping sphere at least. Mm-hmm. At a minimum. Um we see nice reprints with Gilded Lotus. Uh, we get a new Karn. Probably not as broken as Liberated, but still pretty good. Nice rep- nice reprints with some good art with Syncopate, like we talked about today. Uh, we're seeing more and more mana elves coming into the play. Like We didn't even talk about half the mana elves that have been re- revealed since we talked last. But like, right. there's a lot. Yeah, like, standard's going to be really interesting. For, this for, limited format looks really interesting as well. I'm curious to see how it plays out. Yeah, for, for jumping from a design philosophy right after M15, we're like, Oh man, uh, Elvish Mystic was a little bit too powerful for us, and we're like, "Lol, have all these mana elves, have at it, kids." It's like, yeah, what? I do like the philosophy that they have, where that's a knob that they can turn on standard to have really good mana elves, as opposed to not having good mana elves. So, yeah, let's. I mean, and to be fair, I really do think that right now we're starting to come into a time period where they've correct. Like, we hit a kind of a dark time, and people absolutely agree. Like. It's kind of almost unanimous that we hit a little bit of a dark time uh, in the aftermath of Kaladesh block with yeah, energy, a little bit. energy just being a little bit too powerful and warping of the format as a whole. It, it's in a good place right now. There's about four or five strategies, like five or six legit strategies that you can play in standard easily. Um, a little bit more tier two kind of stuff, but it did take a couple of bandits to get there. Consumer confidence was shaken, but I think the direction that they're going with right now is good yeah also new perspectives got 23rd at that gp so you know not everything's bad oh my god you and your damn new perspectives duck anyways ian if people wanted to find you on the social medias and elsewhere on the internet where can they do so you guys can find me on twitter at dixon ij that's d-i-x-o-n-i-j and you guys can find me on twitch at twitch.tv slash dicks I know I said I was going to stream more, and I know I say this all the time, but I'm actually probably going to be streaming this weekend because Lindsay's out of town and I have nothing to do, so stream. Plus, I have a pauper league I need to finish by next week. Yeah. When, new cards, when a new cards go live on Wednesday. Uh, so I'll do a little bit of that. Um, I've been picking up some dual lands, too. I did that at GP Seattle, so I might actually be getting into Delver and Legacy because I got Star City Game stuff to do. So, yeah, I'll be streaming some stuff. It's fun. Yeah. John, where can they find you? You guys can find me on Twitter at jwiley129. That is J-W-I-L-E-Y-129. I'm also in Twitch at the same handle. So if you see me in the various chat rooms, don't hesitate to send a hello. Say hi. Uh, I love to chat about magic and various other things. Uh, as you may have noticed, I have kind of gone ham of, of uploading videos to YouTube. 
including Magic, Eternal, uh, and the podcast. So I'm going to try to put the podcasts up on Friday mornings, where the audio-only version will be up on Thursdays, just so that I don't have a mad rush of staying up till 4 a.m. trying to edit these things together. But uh, you can also find me. You can also find all the stuff on YouTube at Well of John because that's my personal uh, personal YouTube channel. Maybe we'll fir- maybe we'll figure out about a uh, a more a Eyes on the Mize YouTube in the future. But anyways, thank you guys so much for listening. Oh wait, sorry. If you want to find the podcast, you can direct, head. You can contact us directly on on Twitter at Eyes on the Mize, or if you have a personal question, you can shoot us an email at Eyes on the Mize at gmail because we'd love to hear how we can best improve the podcast for you, our lovely listeners. On behalf of Ian, I'm John. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next time. Mm-hmm.